Well, it's always a pleasure to uh, come before you this morning with the Word and, and to praise God and to worship Him. And as we get started this morning, <clears throat> I would just ask you at this time just to bow your heads in quiet submission to the Father. That your heart alone, right now, just go before Him, bow before Him, know that He is God. Know that He is the Savior. Know that He is Lord. Precious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, as we look at Your Word this morning, as we seek You in it, the truth of You, As the Holy Spirit guides and points to Christ, our Savior, Lord, may each heart, each mind focus. May we eagerly, enthusiastically search and reach for you, Father, that we may know the kingdom, that we may know the sacrifice, the obedience of the Savior. Lord, may our obedience reflect what Christ has done for us in all his glory and power. Father, we praise you, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at Luke 23 and 24. We're going to finish up this series this morning. And as we go through it, we're going to focus on a few things that that stand out. Some of it's kind of old stories to us. But it's brand new every day as we focus on Christ as the Savior, the King, the All. So as we start this morning, uh, we're going to look at the reality. Jesus is Lord. We're going to look at the relationship. Jesus is Savior. We're going to look at the response. Jesus, the visible King of our lives. Does his light shine as that king, as that visible light that shines through us to others? And we're going to be looking at the responsibility. Does he rule in our lives? Are we obedient as his sheep to follow him, to hear his voice, to see these things in Christ that keep us on that journey with him? To seek him out, to know him, and to live that life that Jesus has set the example for as we walk. We're going to start in in 23. Last week we talked about the lamb, the perfect lamb, the perfect obedience of Christ. And how that affects everything in our lives. And do we trust in that and know that Christ was perfect? was obedient, and did all things because the Father asked him to, and he followed that. And, and so as we move on from that, we're going to be looking at the death and resurrection of Christ. But we're going to focus on what does our walk look like after that resurrection. Christ was undefiled, he was sinless. 
And yet he bore that in us to the Father that we might be saved. He gives us that opportunity to reach out, to reach for him and abide in him as he abides in us. 23 starts out with the trial before Pilate and Herod, the sinless man of God, coming before a worldly court, as it were. And yet, as we, as we look at that, we find in this that the world found no fault in him. And yet the religious leaders did. 23.22 says, For the third time he demanded, Why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. So I will give him, I will have him flogged, and then be released. I have found no fault. This is the world speaking. But then we move down and we see that the religious leaders were appalled. They were indignant. And they were steadfast in their thought that this sinless God, this sinless Christ, this Son of God, had to be crucified, had to be defiled. And yet we know that without that, without that, we would not have a Savior. And sometimes we forget that this wasn't an act that the world put forth. But God freely gave his son. God freely gave his son for you and me. Do we reverence that as it is? Do we look at that and truly understand this Christ who gave all for this man? For each one of us to follow. And all he says is, give your life to me and I will make your life free. Truly free. Truly understanding what that crucifixion and the resurrection really meant to each one of us. They, in many of these scriptures, refers to those religious leaders and, and we, we understand that uh, as this come about, as these things went. And, and this, is, this is the religious leaders in, 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 in chapter 22. At daybreak, all the elders of the people assembled, including the leading priests and teachers of the religious law. Jesus was led before this high council, and they said, Tell us, are you the Messiah? So as, as, as we come before Christ, do we see him as the Messiah? Or do we just see him as a great teacher? Or a theologian? Or do we really grasp what he has done for us? Has he, do, do we seek that? And do we seek the truth of it? And do we follow that truth? Do we truly see who Christ is? And as we get farther down and we talk about the walk to Emmaus, 
we're going to focus on how do we really see Christ in our lives. What does he mean to us? How does he affect us? What does he do for us on our daily walk with Christ? We have went through the trial, the sentencing, and then we get to the crucifixion. And as, as, as Christ is, is crucified, 26 through 43 in, in chapter 23, we see that even in crucifixion, he is still wanting each person as he is today, as we look around at the, just the rawness of the world and the way it looks today, nothing has changed. It was the same then. Just that total disregard for a Savior of all mankind. What a thought as we walk, as we watch the news, as these things go on in our lives. What a thought it is to look around. And even that person that we see on the news that is so detrimental to the life of Christ in whatever faction they be, whether it be the congressman or whoever it might be, that says, we don't want to have anything to do with this. Christ died for that person the same as he died for each one of us. So as we pray for these people, what do we pray? We pray that they would seek that salvation and see the Christ that we know. That's what we pray for. We don't pray that they change their minds. We don't pray that they change their parties. We pray salvation in their lives. Because Christ died for each one of those. As we look at this and, and we see Christ being led to the cross... And we start in, in verse 27 of chapter 23. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child, and a breast that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Some references of that is in uh, Isaiah 19.21. And it just goes on farther and farther that as we get into this, how really strong it is that life is so permanent when it comes to God. 
He sees all of this. He knows it. It says, when, when the Lord rises to shake the earth, his enemies will crawl into holes in the ground. They will hide in caves in the rocks from the terror of the Lord and the glory of his majesty. On that day of judgment, they will abandon the gold and silver idols they made for themselves to worship. They will leave their gods to the rodents and bats while they crawl away into caverns and hide among the jagged rocks in the cliffs. This is God the Father in his wrath. And yet as we just talked, his love is Jesus Christ. His love is Jesus Christ. And yet when we abandon him, we see that he can have wrath. He knows what's going to go on. He knows the evil also. Revelations follows up. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generations, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, and they cried to the mountains and rocks, Follow us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne. From the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive? We know who survives. Those who believe in and follow Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes and he points to one thing and one thing only. That's Christ himself and him crucified and resurrected. Are we following the Holy Spirit as we worship our Lord? Do we take heed to that? We've tried the law, each one of us, and yet we can't hold up under the law. But Christ Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to know that he's the only way. He is the intermediary between us and that wonderful, wonderful Lord. Our Father, God the Father in heaven. Who does nothing but reach for us every minute of every day. To beckon us. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Do we see this? Do we achieve it? Do we truly see what God has done and is doing for us right now? Can we imagine the devastation in our lives if we don't recognize this Christ and Him crucified? Because then we have to fall back on the law. And the law can do nothing but condemn us. What a Savior. What a Savior. So as we look at some people in Scripture, it's, it's amazing who sees Christ in these things. Uh, when sometimes we forget that that's what we're looking for. And uh, we, we look at these things and, and move forward into this as, as Christ leads us. 
And he's always beckoning, and he's always wanting. And we see this thief on the cross. And here's, here's a man that is a terrorist. And, and yet, this man on the cross truly gets a vision of who Christ is. And we start in 40, and it says, But the other criminal protested, Don't you fear God, even when you have been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. So what we have here is a common man, a criminal, possibly not even of the Jewish faith. It doesn't really clarify that right now in this section. But here's a man who knows where he stands, and yet he can see Christ. He gets the true vision of who Christ is. He knows he's going to perish as far as his flesh goes. But he recognizes God in the flesh in Jesus Christ. What a powerful statement that is for our lives when we can do that. We'll get on as we do communion. It says we should herald these things, which means you put it out there like a horn blast to those around us. Do we truly do that? Do we truly do that? Are we heralding Christ? Are we heralding the Savior? Or do we keep it right here? Do we keep it so eternal that nobody can see Christ in us? Put it out. Wear it. And wear it as that humble servant of Christ. That, that one that truly, truly brings us forth. We move on to 44 through 55, and this is the burial of our Lord, the death, the final death. And we see that, that that's a gruesome scene for most of us, but it should be something that's prevalent in our thoughts and minds every day. To keep us in mind, uh, we were discussing uh, last week some parables and some different verses in scripture and we should remember we should remember the Israelites how they rebelled how they grumbled we should remember God's patience with them God's sovereignty his all-knowing to time after time after time just tell them just look at me I am your God. I'm a jealous God. I am here for you all the way. And he gives, and he gives, and he gives. And then we forget to look, and we forget to apply it to our lives. We need to take these words, we need to apply them diligently to every last thing we do in our lives. Everything, every thought, Every action, every twinkle of anything that comes in our lives 
should be based on Christ Jesus and him alone. To keep him at the forefront. To know that he is Lord. Chapter 24 is the resurrection. And for one moment, I would like you not to remember this word right here. But remember Christ's resurrection for you in your own mind. Go back to that time when you truly died to yourself and resurrected Christ in your life. And when we get that vision, as we started this morning in prayer, you know, I can't love every one of you to heaven. Your neighbor can't save you. So when you talk to Christ, you do it with that personal, heartfelt determination to commune with the Savior. Remember the resurrection in your life. Remember that Christ did it all. We had very, very little to do with it other than bow on our knees and say, here I am. Here I am. And how do we see that? Christ is not the genie in the bottle. He's our Savior. Christ is not the bank. He's our Savior. Let's keep him there in every thought, every word, every deed. Do unto this as Jesus. So as we look at that sight, then we get into the seeing, the true seeing of Christ. We, we see two people in, in verse uh, 13, chapter 24, and they're walking to amaze. The, the, the death has happened, the crucifixion. Everybody's devastated in that realm, the disciples. They're afraid. They haven't really seen the true Christ yet. It just hasn't sank in. Because in most of these verses, in most of these chapters, in most of these scriptures, we will see that they still want a king to take over their country, their people, to defeat the Romans, or defeat this or that. They have really not seen what Christ is really looking for, and that's our hearts. He wants to be king the Lord of our hearts. And yet sometimes today we still use him as that person, fix this, do this, don't do that, help here, here. When we bow our heads in communion with Christ, it should be that one-on-one -on -one saying, Lord, touch my heart that I might serve you. That I might be a part of you. 
that that one person, that one person, whoever that person might be, might truly see the Lord, the God of all. So they're walking along and, and, and Christ comes beside them. They're talking. They're dismayed. They're disgruntled. They're literally grumbling. They haven't seen the real Christ yet. They haven't seen it. We see a thief on the cross who has seen it. And yet here's disciples that haven't seen it. And we see it pretty much through the New Testament. We see it in the Old Testament as God showed visible signs and yet we can't seem to see him. May our eyes be opened to see this Christ, this Lord, the Savior who is doing all for each one of us. Everything. And yet for some reason, we turn the blind eye. What do we see when these things happen? So many different things in so many different lives. We just see things that aren't real sometimes. In the one section it said that, you know, when the time comes, all these idols that we have will disappear. They focus in Scripture on the golden calves, this and that. But have we burned our idols? Sometimes we want to hold on. And there's so many in this culture today, our idols can be many, many, many things. Are we burning those item, idols? Not putting them away on the shelf, but are we truly burning them and getting them out of our lives and focusing on Christ? As we're walking along on our paths of life as our journey, are we truly seeing Christ? Are we listening to Christ? Do we see him in reality, in truth, and justice? Or do we go back to that thing, is, the, is he our genie? And it's easy sometimes when life gets tough. You know, I've heard some of your testimonies with sickness, with, with things going on in our lives that we don't understand. And sometimes we forget that Christ still has us in the palm of his hand. And Scripture tells us, what's our heart like? Because that's what he's interested in. He's always there to give us peace. And when our heart's right, he does. Because we know that our spirit is safe with him. All through Psalms, David talks about this wonderful God that keeps the spirit alive. Alive in him. Do we see that as we're walking with him? Do we hear his words? Or do we go about our lives and... and we, we, we go along and we have these things and we're going to go back and if you just write these down, it's a lot easier. I'll read them to you. We go back to Luke 10, 41. 
And Jesus visits the house of Martha and Mary. And Martha is complaining. She's the fixer. She's the doer. She's doing all of these things. And she goes to Christ. How many times do we go with, to Christ with these very same things? A couple of us talked about it just this week. It says, but this is what the Lord said to her. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details. How often do we fall into that same boat? There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. And guess what? It will not be taken away from each one of us if we bow at the feet of Christ. We move on to 17. And Jesus has healed 10 lepers. We had a great discussion about this a couple of weeks ago in one of our classes. He has healed these 10 lepers. Here again. What are we seeing when we look at Christ. One of them, we jump into the story in the, in the midst of it. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. And yet, as the text goes on, we'll see what he truly seen. Yes, he's seen the physical healing, but what did he truly see? Jesus asked, I love the way this is stated, because he didn't reach down and pat him on the head as he's kneeled. Jesus said, didn't I heal ten? I, I just love that the way that's put out there. He's going, wait a minute. And here's this guy kneeling at his feet. Didn't I heal ten? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this forerunner? How does that make us feel sometimes when we see these things going on? That this person who does not know Christ, I know we've ran into him in our lives, and then one day, something said, something done. Whether it be a person, through the Holy Spirit's working through, whatever it may be, and this person says, yes, I see this Christ. I know what he looks like. And he is the Savior. And as these guys are walking... Um, to Emmaus, they still, these are disciples. They have walked with Christ in the physical. And yet somewhere, somehow, they have forgot to see the truth in him. And yet just as, as uh, Mary or Martha did at the tomb... When he speaks, then do we know him. When he talks to us, do we know him? Do we reach out to him? 
Do we listen to what he is saying? Do we reach for that? Do we cling on to it and hold it tight? Do we apply it to our lives? Do we hear the voice of Christ? Or is this flesh welling up in us? Do we question? Do we doubt? Do we know that this Christ is all for us all the time? Do we forget sometimes that God is everywhere all the time? Or when something happens in our lives, we're talking in in Sunday school class about the trials and tribulations of life. And sometimes we get so focused on them, which Scripture tells us not to do. In Peter, it says, don't be surprised when these things happen. Don't be surprised. Be joyful. And we say, well, I can't be happy about that going on in my life. No, but we can be joyful. You know why? Because Christ is in charge. It's not me. This Christ, the Savior, has got us right here in his palm all the time. We just need to quit jumping out. Because we think we got this in hand. So we take the big jump. And guess what? We have more trials and tribulations. And then what do we do? We say, where were you? You forgot me. Just after I jumped out of that circle, out of that palm, we blame God. Get a real, true satisfaction of what God is in our lives. When we listen, we see, we hear, do we apply it? Does it change our lives when we get the reality of this word? Does it change our prayer lives? Does it change the way we treat each other? Or do we just continue on with this strife and this misery, these envyings in our lives? Uh, Frank read part of Psalms 37. And if you go through Psalms 37 and catch the whole thing, it just warns us about this. We jump into the New Testament, it warns us about these things that happens in our lives that is a personal, the anger, the envy, the strife. And all of these things that can slip into our lives when Christ is not at the forefront. Do we keep Christ at the forefront all the time and do we apply all of these things to our lives. Do we make this known? Do we understand and try to reach for, seek out, and grasp the Word of God? In its true sense, in the sense that Christ did all these things for us. Are we willing? Are we able Are we wanting to apply each one of these things to our lives? 
that Christ might be the light through us that those around us might see Christ in our lives to know and understand that he is truly the Savior but he has to be Lord first Christ wants to be Lord of each one of our lives today will you let him do that gracious God and Heavenly Father Lord as we commune with you today our hearts wide open <clears throat> wanting reaching for you Lord as you are always beckoning us Lord as we change our lives as we get to see you hear you feel you truly understand the willingness that God the Father put forward to sacrifice his son Lord, help us in our way, in that small way, to commit to you our lives today. Lord, if there's that one person here today who does not know you, who hasn't really understood, it doesn't matter if they've been coming to church for a long time or if this is the first time. Lord, if they truly see you today, may they open their eyes and say, Jesus Christ, I am yours forevermore. Lord, as we commune with you, may we walk out of here today knowing, trusting, reverencing you as God the Father, Jesus the Savior, Holy Spirit, Comforter, Guide. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.